0: Welcome home is on our has been our on our doors, but it's part of our our motto it's a mission statement that we would have that this is home for everybody, but how many know that home can get a little messy sometimes home can uh home can have struggles and home can have challenges and and um home can have uh the enemy fighting against it and home can have us fighting one another. We might as well just get real right away um you know, but first, before we were ever a church, God called us into our families and in our homes. And we're first called to be priests of our homes. We're first, that's the first sanctuary that we are a part of. Uh, but that sanctuary can get messy, messy and emotional and out of order and challenging. And, but, but God didn't leave us just kind of hanging out there in the middle of nowhere. God is very explicit with instructions. To the, how many know that God talks us about family? just right away. Let's uh, let's just talk about, you know, husbands love your wives. There's an instruction for family. Hus- uh, fathers don't provoke your children to wrath. There's some good instruction for family. Honor your parents. Honor your mother, your father. Honor your parents. There's instruction for family. Um, it's not good for man to be alone. And all the wives said, amen. But along with all those things, there's challenges that we've observed and, and we've, uh, we've kind of just, we obviously can't unpack every challenge that comes with family, but I think that there are some, some points, some high points, some, some recommendations that we can give, some folks that we've walk, watched walk some difficult roads, uh, some, some folks that we've observed that, that do this well. We didn't have any trouble finding people that knew what it was like to live this life we call living for God in our families. And so we're, we're thanking everybody in advance for taking part in our forum this morning. And um, and the, one of the first things that we like to to talk about today, um, we've asked Emily and Ryan Hennessy to come and join us on the platform. We know them as parents to Clara and Elena, and Elena, and she is daughter to our pastor. Um, the Hennessys are strong. A strong family in our church congregation, very supportive, very helpful, and we're grateful for both Emily and Ryan and the history that they have, but also that they've embraced life in their own way. Uh, She's Andy the Apes Handler. She's also worked in our children's ministry department. Ryan is a keystone in our music ministry department, and they've come and agreed to talk with us this morning about a very difficult season that they've had in their lives, in their journey together. And um, I remember that before we came to Fredericton, I was reading a book called Life's Little Instruction Booklet. It's about this big. It's about, you know, it's not a huge book, but I remember reading through that. And one of the quotes that was in that book was simply this, never ask a childless person when they're going to have children. And at first I kind of was like, what? Because how many have heard people say that? When are you guys going to have kids? (laughs) 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 It's about time for you to have some... We've all heard that, but that can be a very, you can unpa- unpack a whole world of pain with that single question for someone that's walking through a very difficult season in their life. And uh, so we know that Emily and Ryan have walked that challenge, and um, I'm just going to get this podium out of the way, get my notes. going to get the remote that's on my table right there, Pastor Matt. You know, right away I see differences. Kathy and I are polar opposite. In my mind, the whole time, from the time I came in, her and I were going to be over there. I'm totally thrown off. I don't even know how I'm going to proceed. I guess I'll proceed by being quiet. Emily and Ryan, thanks for helping us today. And I know that you've prepared, so um, could you help us talk a little bit about it? that challenge that uh, you've
1: We um, waited three years for just our little backstory. We waited three years for Clara. She's our oldest. And that three-year wait included a miscarriage. And I know a lot of people who haven't walked this road. They often maybe, I think we can all understand not wanting to wait for something that we truly desire. And a child, of course, is something that so many married couples desire. So that part is not often difficult to understand, but sometimes the loss of a pregnancy, especially early on, people don't understand, why is that a thing? And the best way I heard it explained was that the moment you find out you are a parent, the moment you find out you're expecting, you change, your identity changes to mom or dad. And it's in that moment. And to lose it, there's the grief. Um, So it's not... Exactly the same as losing a child in arms, but it is still losing a child. So just to provide the perspective of why it's sometimes so difficult. So that's our story, and how did we deal with it? If you are walking through it, if you are waiting, or if you have lost, and even if you've lost many years ago, sometimes it still is a struggle. Why? Um, We don't understand God in this situation. And all I can do is share what the Bible says about it, because that's the only thing that helped. Nothing really helped in the moment, to be honest. (laughs) It's just a hard road to walk. I think with many trials, you feel that way. Nothing really helps in the moment. And you just kind of endure it. And that's okay. You know, the Bible talks a lot about enduring trials, just getting through it. What I want to maybe draw your attention to, if you are walking through this, or you know someone who is or, or, um, or maybe in the future you you will. There are many couples in the Bible who walk this road. So many actually, so many examples. There are eight. Seven of those stories end in the way we want them to end with a little baby in the arms. There's one that doesn't and there's a reason why and I'll get back to that in a second. I really want to draw your attention to The first three, and you may never have noticed this before, I didn't until I studied it. The first three uh, couples, the patriarchs of the Jewish nation, Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebecca, Jacob and Rachel, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, all three of them struggled to have children. And I think that just has always highlighted to me the way God works. He said... I'll make you a nation, and then they waited, all three generations, and we hate that, <laughs> we all hate to wait, but waiting builds, some, excuse me, builds something in us that you just can't get from anything else, so I wanted to draw your attention to that because you are in great company if you have walked through this, and God, in fact, designed a lot of the great parents and great children to walk this road. It doesn't lessen anyone else, but it just means that you are not, in, you are not less than, you are in good company. And the other thing I wanted to mention, and then I'm going to give it to him, the reactions of all the people who walked this road in the Bible, they are so different. So however you feel, if you cry, if you just despair, if you get angry, if you just kind of have a bit of an acceptance of it and like, whatever you know God God knows those reactions are all in the Bible and our feelings as we all know don't dictate reality and it's our action and our choice to maintain our faithfulness to God throughout those seasons to come to church when we don't feel like it I felt to be transparent like such a fraud during those years I would come up here and I would sing and I hardly believed a word. And I don't mean that, you know, but I think we've all been there where we come and we, we're doing it, but we don't feel it, right? We just don't have it on the inside. But that I've learned is faith. That is faith in action. It's just making that choice to continue the best you know how. The one lady that didn't have children, the eighth one, it was Michael, David's, King David's wife. And the Bible says she had no children because she was cynical and critical of David's worship. The Bible says, therefore, she had no children. For that reason, she had no children. And so I'll leave you, and he'll pick up. Our attitude and our actions can determine a lot about where we end up in the end of the story. So if you're walking through it, just keep going.
2: But very well said. <laughs> uh, when we go through something like this, um, the man sometimes gets forgotten uh, because, you know, it's kind of mom. Like, mom is dealing with all the physical, all of the mental, all of the hormonal issues that come along with just dealing with pregnancy and then miscarriage gets piled on top of that. It's difficult. Um, and uh, But the man is there too. Um, and you just kind of wonder why. Like, what, why did this happen? Why did I have to go through that? And uh, there are three three main things that, that stood out to me as I was thinking about this. And I wasn't going to come up here, and, and I think the Lord said, no, you need to. <laughs> so, I'm just trying to help somebody. Uh, there are three things that changed in me because I went through this. Um, the first one, just a greater appreciation for just how awesome kids are, and having kids, and uh, the value of a child. Um, I, I mean, I always wanted kids and probably thought I was going to have kids, but just uh, even even more so, I'm more appreciative now of of how awesome kids are and how much of a blessing they are and a heritage of the Lord. So, uh, The other, the second thing, the Lord kind of gave me a greater capacity for having compassion for people who are going through Initially, this kind of thing, you know, uh, going through a miscarriage, going through... Because we spent a good 11 months wondering, you know, are we going to have to go see a doctor? Um, and we didn't in the end, but that's, the struggle was there, too. And the, and, and that's where God grew in me uh, a compassion for others who are also going through that. And not just that, but anything. Anything at all. Cancer. Uh, family troubles at home. Uh, trouble in the job. Anything. Like, it just—God it God grew that in me. Um, and, and and one of the things that was really stood out to me during that time is just the family of God. is amazing. There are so many people that came up to us, encouraged us, uh, whether or not they knew what we were going through, what um, words spoken in a service, like it just was right at me. All those kinds of things happen over and over. And, and through God's people, God uses His people. Every one of us are used to do that, whether you realize it or not, um, and it's so much appreciated. Um, and the third thing, uh, which I think is so relevant right now, um, God gave me a clear victory over fear. Um, I don't know if, if anyone's been there. I know oh, I shouldn't say that. I know I've, I know people here have been there. Uh, Psalms 91, I will not be afraid of the terror by night. I think I met that. And uh, one day in our house, it was just tough. It was soon after. We lost. And it was like a, I can only describe it as a dark cloud just hovering over the house. And you just feel hopeless and helpless you can't do anything there's nothing to do I'm supposed to be the rock family but there's nothing I can do so I did the only thing I knew to do which is I went to pray and it wasn't loud it wasn't I said I just knelt at my couch and prayed and God met me there and when I got up nothing had changed We were still dealing with miscarriage, we're still dealing with the physical and the hormonal and mental and all those, all those things that you deal with. And and if you've been there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's not pretty, and it's not fun. But something changed in me, and I had hope. And that cloud of fear, it just disappeared, it was gone. And that, that may have been the biggest thing I got out of this, because, there's a lot to be afraid of when you're a parent. You're going to think about things to be afraid of before they're even a thing. Like, oh no, uh, oh, never mind. <laughs> there's, if you become a parent, your, your heart basically steps outside of your body and starts walking around. And uh, that's what kids are, basically. They're, yeah, they're jumping, running, climbing. Oh no, don't do that, you know. There's a lot of things to be afraid of. But I think one of the biggest things God did for me in this is gave me victory over fear and isn't that so relevant right now in this climate of fear that we live in every day it tried to come back back in march that old fear and i was able just to say no not here not in my home you can't stay and it didn't so i think that's probably all i have to say <laughs>
3: I'm not used to turning my mic on. Thank you so much, Ryan and Emily. And I think we need to take a minute and just lift our hands. Um, I really feel the Lord here right now. And I know there are people that have walked the road that they walked. I talked to someone this week who walked that road for 10 years. And you don't know what the person beside you is battling, what they're going through, or even maybe like Ryan said, how they're dealing with fear. So as Ryan and Emily take their seat and our next guest come forward, could we just take a minute and lift our hands and give whatever it is that you're battling with to God? The Lord is here to help us this morning. Jesus, we love you today. We're so thankful for your presence that's here God, we know there's no season of life that we walk through that you are not with us to deliver us, to help us, to be our strength. You are our present help in time of trouble, and we thank you for your help that we feel in this service today. Continue to guide us, Jesus, we pray. Our next guests, as they're coming, Pastor Mike and Kathy Hennessy, staying. We didn't intend to stay on the Hennessy family, but it just kind of happened that way. Um, they're, of course, much loved by our church. They have served for several years in various roles, including youth ministry. Some of you might not remember, but Pastor Mike was youth pastor here for a while, children's ministry, music ministry, outreach. And most recently, as we all know, they have become founding pastors, church planters in the town of Ormucto. We're so excited about that. In their spare time, they've both managed to earn their master's degrees. Kathy <laughs> in their spare time. Kathy in education, Pastor Mike in counseling, of course. He also has his own practice, that's a big deal. Oh, and they also have children, two beautiful children, as we can see here, Sarah and David. And we're just so blessed that they're, they might be in Ormukto, but they're always gonna be part of CCC. So we have a couple of questions, and we're just gonna let them roll with it however they wanna do that. We've had several questions come in, and we just tried to condense them. Uh, First question we want to ask is, how do you go about planting seeds of faith in your young children?
4: I was just told to start. so (laughs) Um, First of all, I think uh, to uh, make, I want to make the point that um, I think, to put somebody's mind at ease this morning that uh, parenting is not something you can do perfectly. Um, there are no perfect parents. And uh, every child is different, every family dynamic is different. And uh, to learn to accept who you are as a parent, both with our strengths and our weaknesses is the first step to moving forward as parents, I think. Um, and so. Yeah,
5: just uh, one one word with that. Um, uh Early on, when we had David, uh, Mike told me something, and and that really changed my way of thinking. And he said, uh, "Comparison is a thief of joy." And sometimes, like it's easy as a parent to look at other kids or other families and feel like, "Wow, like they have it all together." And you know, you you know that you know your kid just threw a tantrum or something happened. And but really, like not comparing ourselves as and not comparing our kids is really something that brings back the joy in, in how we see our kids and how we see ourselves as parents. So
4: um, so true. Um, and so we don't have it all together, um, but these are some things that, that we are working towards and, and doing our best with the help of God um, to help our children and guide them through lives, through their lives. Um, and so... Uh, planting seeds of faith in our young kids. Our kids are three and a half and just over one year old. Um, and uh, I think really, and, and, and my wife will chime in here as well, but um, uh, it starts out with, with who you are as a parent, who you are as a, a prayer, who you are as a Christian, how you treat others. Modeling is the most important teacher in our lives as role models, you are the number one and number one, both of you are the role models for your children and so how you live your lives um, it 's not a checklist of things that uh, you know I have to get done, I have to get you know a devotion time set up, and I have to get this, and if i don 't do that, then i 'm failing or or what have you. The core thing of everything is who are you as a parent? Uh, we tell single people all the time. Don't, don't look for the, the one that God has for you. Work on becoming the one that God has, that God has destiny on and purpose on. And as parents, it's, it's not about comparison, and it's not about anything else other than becoming the parent and the Christian that God has called us all to be. Um, and so uh, planting the seeds of faith, it starts with our lifestyle, how we live our lives day to day. They know the little bur- outbursts that sometimes we have. As as adults, sometimes we don't have it all together, and as God helps us, when we deal walk through seasons, um, even seasons like we just heard about, um, how we walk through seasons, our kids watch all the time, all the time, and uh, it's kind of funny to see me and David go at it once in a while, um, (laughs) because it's basically mini me, and so we get the same look in our eyes when we get frustrated, and. You know it's it's just it's it's interesting how quickly kids pick up who we are as adults and so uh it's about our relationship with god as parents becoming who god's called us to be and uh can i
1: just
5: yeah so um i'm a stay-at-home mom so i spend all my time with my kids so uh, of course you know they, they see everything you know they know when i'm impatient and they know when i I am being very patient at the moment, so <laughs> get your act together before I get to the impatient part. <laughs> but no, like uh, one of the things that um, I had to learn early on was how was I going to spend my time with God every day and have to ca- take care of my kids too. And so I, um, I decided that, you know what, I'm just going to train them to uh, be comfortable with me doing my devotions in the morning. So, uh, you know, like, of course your kids want to have your attention, but uh, even experts say that it's so important that kids learn how to play on their own and not always be craving for adult attention. And so it took a little bit of time of doing, but um, when I'm reading my Bible and when I'm praying, my kids are playing on the floor. And uh, they know that this is part of every day, the morning routine. And uh, they know that when I'm all done, then I'm going to have time to play with them. And I do this because I'm, I need it personally. And I know as well that my kids see what's important to me. And one day they'll want to do what I'm doing too. And so um, I pray out loud and I sing and I worship and I have this idea that, you know, worship is something that should be part of our everyday and it's, if my kids see me doing this at home, then when they come to church, it's not foreign to them. It's not something that they see, oh, this belongs in a church building. They see this as as a way of living and as a way of being. And sometimes, you know, like they, they'll hear me pray prayers that are emotional and sometimes it's you know a prayer of rejoicing and but all of that um, they're included in that and uh, sometimes David will start singing too and sometimes he'll start dancing and and it's all part of it right it's uh, it's authentic it's it's real so and that's what i really want my kids to to get to get uh, the real relationship with god uh, not not a religion, not a something that they do to to check the box or to feel like you know like I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, but really to to get to know God and to allow God to transform you and to make you like him. so
3: yeah So um, this one maybe I'm not sure. Uh, how much time we want to spend on it but how do you deal with technology your kids are still a little bit small but i'm sure you have ideas about how you're going to deal with it maybe help us with that
4: sure yeah um technology is is inescapable Mm -hmm. um in our in our current society unless you you know just move into the woods and um (laughs) go off grid and and uh i don't know how you yeah, anyways, I don't think anybody wants to do that. Um, so um, technology and, and, and how do we deal with technology in young kids? It's, it is a part of our lives, obviously. Um, we have cell phones, smartphones. Um, you know, we, there are things, you know, like children's shows, things that teach good values and those sorts of things that, that David is starting to really, you know, pay attention to, right? Um, and so, um, you know, technology is not evil. Um, it's a tool technology is a tool and and how we use that tool in our lives is what's the most important thing Um, and so uh, when it comes to young children um, you know we we set a lot of boundaries around it very limited you know time as far as what would we allow a a child to sit in front of a screen for Um, you know stats can tell you you know some of the best practices you can google them um, around how much time a young ch- child should spend in front of a screen. Um, but uh, the boundaries around technology are so important because I deal with some of the impacts of the lack of boundaries around technology in teenagers that I work with. Um, you mentioned that I work as a counselor in certain capacities, so. Um, statistics would show us, and the latest statistics that I know of are from 2017 and we're in 2020, and we've gone through COVID and uh, all of this. So currently we are on the verge of the greatest mental health crisis ever in this generation. And it is tied directly into technology and the use of technology or the misuse of technology. Uh, The rise of the smartphone has put a screen in every little hand, um, even in grade three or even younger. Um, And that screen has become the obsession for our kids, um, and, uh, and I'm going to say some things that are a little bit probably challenging to our culture, um, but it's important, I think, uh, because our kids are too important and too valuable to sit in front of a screen and let them waste away. Um, I'll say that again, our kids are too valuable right. to right. sit them in front of a screen and let them waste away. Um, there's a client that I work with right now. Um, this individual is in front of a screen. His longest FaceTime call was, over, was 29 hours. Went to sleep with his phone and on a FaceTime call. Um, 14 plus hours a day. Every day. On a phone. Snapchatting, TikTok, Facebook. Not so much Facebook, actually, because the younger generation thinks that's for the grandparents. Um, Instagram. uh, All these different tools and things that are coming out now. Um, And Psalm 101, verse 3 says that, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. And this is a decision that the psalmist made about choice. I will not set any wicked thing before mine eyes. And the challenge of not setting any boundaries in our children's technology use is they don't have the choice of whether or not wickedness is going to come before their eyes. They don't have that choice for a couple of reasons. One, they just are ignorant, right, of what is evil, what is not. Some curiosity killed the cat, they say, right? Um, well, curiosity get leads children into avenues on the internet that are very scary. Um, and so. Um, There's that reason, and the other one is something we all understand, and it's been real for for decades, even with with television, um, is that you you don't exactly know when something wicked is going to come before your eyes when you're engaging with certain things on a screen. You don't know what commercial is going to come up. You don't know what scene is going to come up. You You don't know. You can do some vetting in background or whatever, but you don't know. You don't know. Um, and so the psalmist said, made that choice, I will set no wicked thing, but for us, we have to make a choice to have boundaries even further than that, to limit even any opportunity that something might even come up. There are kids that I've dealt with that are scared to death because they were on YouTube and nobody was around them, and there was a video of a clown or something, and they couldn't go to sleep for weeks um, because there was no supervision, no boundaries, no, no boundaries set up in their lives around technology. So um, kids, and they, this is where I'm gonna probably offend some people, I apologize. Kids do not need their own smartphone. Sorry, they, they just don't. They don't need their own smartphone. And I know that that's challenging in our culture because, you know, Kathy can, can speak to it. Um, grade three children have smartphones in prevalence. How many, how many would you say in your latest class that would have had a smartphone?
5: It's been five years. It's been five years.
4: <laughs> and it's probably gotten even more common since, right? So when you see kids, 20, 30% of kids in grade three with a smartphone, um, it's probably 50, 60 now um, because the boundaries around technology are being just totally destroyed in our, in our culture, and our society. Um, and in addition to all of that, they don't need their own device just strictly for them they also don't need, or they also do need supervision at all times, when they are in front of a screen. Um, screens should be visible, in open spaces, and it used to be that was just the computer in the house, but now it's every, it's the, it's every I, tablet, phone, Xbox. Thank you, Pastor. ps PS5. Um, he, he's a few years behind, but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, gaming systems in, the, in, in a children's room, um, that's a recipe for disaster. Um, it's an open door for bullying. It's an open door for uh, language issues. There's an open door for just so much negativity. And I think for a positive thing for our family's well being is to turn off the internet at some point. You don't have to target a child. If you're thinking about, okay, how am I going to change? my life because I've let something go maybe a little bit further than I felt was was healthy but I didn't know how to backtrack um, this is just a strategy that might help is is frame it within your your family's well-being with, including you as a parent um you know in order for us as parents to be well our kids shouldn't see us on our phones 14 hours a day either um, and so to expect our kids not to be obsessed with technology when we're obsessed with technology is is uh you know the in the old days it was don't smoke and the parents would smoke right well it's the same thing today don't be obsessed with your phone or with the screen or with the latest netflix show or whatever um and then try and guide your kid not to be it just doesn't work that way like we said before at the beginning modeling is the most important thing um and so that's what we're trying to do as parents i mean we're very our kids are three and a half and one so we're we're not that far down the road um, on that, but these are things that I've seen just in practice, in, in professional practice, That some things that might help. in setting a time, turn off the internet, please. Let your, Don't let your phone go into bedrooms or any any bedroom, like any kid have their phone in, the, in bed with them. That's, that's gonna destroy their sleep patterns. It's gonna destroy their health and well-being. And I'm probably taking way too long. Okay. I apologize. <laughs> But uh, sleep, th- these phones just destroy our kids' sleep. This technology, having screens in the room, uh, just destroys sleep patterns, with dis- which disrupts brain function and, and our human development. And, and the, 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 the snowball gets going downhill awful quickly. And so it's t- up to us as parents to set limitations, to set boundaries, and to be intentional. You notice I have the latest edition of the tablet? It's a moleskin Um, it's got this thing called paper in it, um, it's, it works great. Um, (laughs) what was that? How's the battery life? Battery never dies. Battery never dies. Um, so just some things to keep in mind and, and, uh, and I hope again that I wasn't too, too strong with some of that, but I, I just wanted to be very upfront and honest with everyone and, and we're not perfect as parents. We, we, certain days, Yeah. David's probably watched a little more than was, would be healthy as far as whatever, Daniel Tiger neighborhood or Mr. Rogers or whatever. Um, but um, yeah, all these, all these different things. Um, but we, we do our best and endeavor to strive to do what's best for our kids. And that's what's important is to do our best as parents. And with God's help, um, they'll be blessed. So and-
3: thank you so much. Pastor Mike and Kathy, and that's very valuable input. Like he he mentioned, he deals with this every day. He has seen the challenges that come from homes where these things are not implemented. And you might be sitting here thinking, oh no, I've done it all wrong. (laughs) Um, You know, we've all made mistakes. None of us do everything perfect, but you can start today. That's the great thing. Today's a brand new day.
4: Can I jump in there too? Yes. The the phrase that helps me so much is that, because I'm I make mistakes every day, <laughs> um, but, but when I know better, I can do better, um, that's right. and that's the thing that helps me a lot is Absolutely. That things that I've learned today, I didn't know yesterday, so I'm not going to beat myself up because I was ignorant yesterday, yeah. but now that I have a new knowledge, um, then I can, I can be better, so.
3: Absolutely. Thank you so much. Pastor Mike and Kathy, um, I'm going to hand the mic to you.
0: All right. They have one more question, but we're running, I know we're getting near the magic 12 o'clock, We still have a few other guests. We get 10 minutes and everyone... At 12 o'clock, everybody just checks out. It's it's unbelievable. You check your smartphone for the time. Because there's no clock. No. Uh, Anyhow, in one minute or less, how do you keep your marriage strong while raising a young family?
5: Sorry, I was ready to leave. (laughs) You'll have to wash this one. (laughs) So, yes... um, well, I think, you know, it's thinking long-term, you know, your kids are very important to you and my kids are super important to me, but at the end of the road, it's going to be Mike and I. So it's very important that we don't live two parallel life, but that our lives intertwine and that we we take care of each other and that we prioritize each other and that, you know, we, uh, we uh, still work together to you know, to have the right priorities, you know, about God and having your spouse and then your kids, so uh, one of the things that Mike and I do is that we still have date nights and uh, it can look very different for every family, but we're blessed that our, our Mike's parents come over and spend time with the grandkids and that gives us time for just the two of us. And it's uh, it's hard sometimes to take time away from your kids but it's also n- necessary because you know you need to be able to be f- have attention on one another and not have all the distractions that comes with the kids so i think you know just yeah ha- spending time making time for each other and keeping your interest on each other and like and simple things like asking like how was your day and being interested in in what happened your partner's life, so that you know you 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 care and you show that you care too. So, right.
4: um, no, I think that was <laughs> wonderful. Uh, it's I love date night, so um, we have a lot of fun. Um, and uh, and it's it's important to keep showing a, a continual interest in your spouse. Um, it's it's easy to get tired, and uh, it's easy to have the kids monopolize your thinking and your time, but Always making time and having open conversations and pursuing your spouse. Most, the most important thing, again, because you're modeling God to your kids. So.
0: Awesome, awesome. Could you show a, a hand clap of appreciation <laughs> to Pastor Mike? <clears throat> our, our next guest flies a little bit under the radar. She's a bit of a stealth bomber at CCC but a very powerful force. Sister Darlene, would you join us on the platform? And if you haven't had an opportunity to meet this lady, she's uh, been a wonderful mom. Um, she's uh, a wonderful daughter. We've observed that. She's also very um, busy in her business life. She's very active, has a very active career, and uh, it's our privilege to have her as a part of CCC. Now you'll notice uh, we, we use this phrase, one of these things is not like the other, but she's here alone today because she's going to identify and communicate with us for a few minutes about some of the challenges of being single. I think you're, are you UPBI alumni? Yes. UPBI alumni. Would you welcome her to our platform? Um, you know, one is a, a whole number, is a course that we taught a few years ago just talking about uh, being single. Paul approaches individuals that are single, not with a negative slant like we do sometimes, but with a positive approach. And, uh, and sometimes being single has its challenges, but there are advantages. Um, but we've asked you to identify some of those and just communicate with us. Uh, as, a, as a single parent, we'll, I'll move quickly to questions. But what, what have been some of your biggest challenges as a single parent, adult? Um, talk to us a little bit about that. We've, we've observed the success, but how did you get there?
6: Well, thank you for having me here today. Um, I feel honored. And uh, I'll try to talk fast, if you can listen fast, because I know our time is, is going by. Um, I was kind of joking around with the kids yesterday, and I said, well... You know, talking about my greatest challenges, I said, I could probably just bring Jim and Jeremy up here today and I'd have nothing more to say. (laughs) Sorry, guys. (laughs) Oh, just kidding, just kidding. Yeah, they've been great. (laughs) But what were some of my uh, challenges along the way? And, you know, in the beginning, uh, I come up with a whole list of them, actually, and it didn't take very long. Uh, When you, all of a sudden, you're at your lowest point and You're kind of like in a pit looking up. Uh, You didn't expect this. You were blindsided, I guess you'd say. Um, A lot of challenges just looked like insurmountable mountains. Like, how am I going to do this? Uh, I I don't want to do this. I didn't ask for this. Never expected it. Uh, How am I going to raise these three boys alone? Um, How am I going to do it financially? There was just question after question. Um, And I come to the conclusion one day that, you know, my greatest challenge is going to be how am I going to overcome this? I'm not gonna stay defeated. I'm gonna move on. I'm gonna come out of this pit and I'm gonna raise these three boys to the best of my ability. And I'm here today not to declare that I had any great talents or abilities to do that, but I give all the praise and glory to God today. Thank you, Jesus. So first of all, I had to accept the reality. I came to a point that I have to help myself or I'm never gonna help these kids, never gonna raise these three boys if I'm gonna stay in an emotional mess all the time. So I decided I've gotta become positive, put all the negative thoughts and worries and frustrations and whatever aside and just become positive for God. I had to accept the reality, then I had to start dealing with the reality. You know, and Emily mentioned it this morning, your attitude makes such a difference in the way you look at things, the way you deal with things, and the way you handle your challenges. Uh, You could choose to stay in the pit, and you can give yourself a pity party. You can say, I can't do this, and you can just continually stay in that pit, but you're just digging a deeper and a deeper and a deeper hole, and it just gets darker and darker. So one day I decided I'm not going to stay in this pit any longer. I'm going to crawl out and I'm going to start living and believing what the Word of God has taught me all through the years, growing up in the church. I've got to start hanging on to some promises now and believe them. Not just read them, but believe them and understand that they're for me. They're for me. And some days you feel like Paul you know, you've been persecuted. But then he said, I'm not forsaken. God will never forsake you. And I don't know if I'm speaking to somebody today that's walking through this valley. God will not forsake you. He will always be there. And Paul said, I'm, I get cast down, but I'm not destroyed. I'm not destroyed. So the word told me that when my heart was overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I And I decided one day to come out of that pit and stand on that solid rock, which is Christ Jesus. Didn't matter after that, because my feet were planted on that rock, it didn't matter after that how fierce the storm got, how high the waves crashed in, how strong the winds blew, how many challenges that I had to face today, tomorrow, next week, next month, or next year. I'm anchored now, I'm secure, And I've got God on my side. So I dealt with that reality. And then finally I had to move forward in the reality. You know, life happens. Sometimes you have no control over it. But you have to live in the reality now. You've got to move forward. Can't stay here. I've got to move forward. So I determined that someone else's choices is not going to define who I am. Someone else's choices is not going to determine my destiny. Because I've got God on my side now. I don't have to worry. Yeah, you face oppositions, you face a lot of challenges, but when you've got God on your side, you don't have to worry anymore. So I told the devil that day, you can shatter my dreams, you can take my houses and my lands, you can take my financial stability, but you can't take my faith and you're not having my kids. Were there challenges raising three boys in a single parent home? Sure, absolutely. But you know, the best way i found to overcome any challenge that I had to face raising my kids alone, and the best thing that you can do for your kids Let's keep them in the church. The church is your lifeline from here on out. The church is your life. It's your haven, it's your shelter, it's your safe place. You know, you'll never have a chance to do it alone. You've only got one chance to raise your kids. You can't wait for 15 years and say, Oh, I wish I had done something different. But you only got this one chance. So, what did I do? I kept them in the church. When the doors were open, we were there. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Sometimes you can feel, well, you know, you're alone. And there's a lot of responsibilities in, in raising your family yourself. And, you know, at the end of the day, you can feel tired and, you know, sometimes discouraged. It's like, well, I'll, I'll just stay home tonight. You know, it, it's, it's a lot to get them there and get back home again. But you need to have them in the church you can say, well, it's just prayer tonight, I'll stay home. No, that's the most important service to get your kids in is prayer, prayer meeting. So we went, and at West for a while, when we moved out West. Um, we had to travel an hour one way to church, but we were there every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, Wednesday night, youth night. I enrolled them in camps, youth retreats. And you might say, well, didn't that cost a lot? You know, you're single and finances are rough. But you know, I stood on that promise that you put God first in your home. He promises to meet all your needs. We've never gone without. Those boys never starved. They could eat a lot, but they never starved. (laughs) Um, So your challenges, like I say, they can be insurmountable mountains when you're starting out on this journey and in that valley. But they will fade and they will diminish when God is in control.
3: Thank you so much. Hmm? I think she answered it. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much for being this is real talk this morning. This is somebody who's walked the road that some of you are walking now and, and no it wasn't always perfect, but she got through it with the help of God and I'm so grateful for her testimony this morning. Thank you. Thank you again. We're gonna ask our next guest to come, our last guest, and then we are gonna wrap things up. If you're wondering about dinner, you will get it, I promise. (laughs) Brother and sister Jonathan McNair. (laughs) That's their fan club in the corner. They have not only served many years pastoring, they pastored in Stellarton, Nova Scotia for 13 years, in Blackville for 11 and a half years, they assisted in Perth-Andover most recently for six and a half years, and then just last year, they have taken on a very important and challenging role at Northeast Christian College as campus ministries directors. Now ironically, we asked them to come and represent the empty nesters among us, Really, they're not empty nesters, and they're going to talk about that. They have about 30 extra children. I, I hate to say children. You know what I mean. Adult children. <laughs> um, they are now mom and dad to more children than they had before. They have three sons of their own and uh, four grandchildren, right? Um, there you see them there. So we're just going to let them talk for a few minutes about This season of life, I'm not even going to ask you the specific questions. You just do your thing. Talk about this season of life.
7: She just said, go ahead. (laughs) So, yeah, I I was, Pastor Jack um, sent me the text and asked me to talk about empty nesters. And so I went to prayer and I said, you know, I I really want to say something profound here. (laughs) So I was praying. I believe you can get answers in prayer. And as I was praying, I was thinking, empty nesters, empty nesters. And I thought, empty nesters? (laughs) I live in a big brick house with 14 daughters, and there's 16 or 18 sons across the yard. (laughs) What have I got to say about empty nesters? Well, you know, if I was going to say anything about the seasonal life that we are in, and I am privileged to be at the Bible school, and I thank God for this. My ministry is there at this particular time, but. I think I wrote this down that part of what keeps us going in these years are the good decisions we made in early years. Um, I read this quote one time and and it says, people do not decide their futures, they decide their habits and their habits decide their futures. And so we just got in the habit of doing every, she wants me to say that again. (laughs)
3: <laughs>
7: I told her this morning. So I'm just going to take, give the mic to you and sit there and say, "Yes, dear. Yes, dear. Yes, dear. Yes, dear."
1: That's a good
7: habit. <laughs> That's a good habit I learned a long while ago. <laughs> just keep saying yes, dear. So people do not decide their futures; they decide their habits. And their habits decide their futures. And we made a decision a long while ago that next to our relationship with God, one of our top priorities was going to be, for the rest of our lives together, we were going to protect each other. Mm -hmm. And my number one thing that I do to protect my wife, please hear me, is I pray for her every Mm -hmm. day. And we just got in the habit of doing everything together. When the children got older and got to school, I remember this, I went to the post office one time in Blackville by myself, and the people never saw me by myself. If they saw me, they saw her, and if they saw her, they saw me. Mm-hmm. And so I went in, and she had the flu, and she was sick in bed. and 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 I went to the mail by myself, and the mail lady said to me, mm-hmm. what's wrong? <laughs> and I said, what do you mean what's wrong? She said, Where's your wife? Your wife is always with you, but we just got in the habit of doing everything together. And I want to tell you, we are enjoying this Fixer Upper series by Pastor Woodward. I, inadvertently, we were doing some things right and didn't even maybe know it. You know, a good foundation of forgiveness. It's one thing I got to say is that, is that we do cross each other from time to time. Say that again. <laughs> Say that again. Okay. We, do, we do cross each other from time to time. But we always make it a habit to make sure there's nothing between us. And so we got the foundation of this relationship, like Pastor Wood was teaching. And I'm not going to reteach the series. You need to go buy it if it goes on sale and just watch it two or three times. And, but it's just foundation, covenant. We're in a covenant together here. We're going to do everything we can to protect that covenant. And we and we believe in covering. We believe we have people that speak into our lives and cover us with prayer and with and with anointing. And I thank God for that. And so, but we just got we just got used to doing things together. And and uh, everywhere we go, we try to go together. And that's a little challenging right now because in her role that she's in and the role that I'm in. But I, I just I just want to say this that uh, empty nesters. And I'm gonna let her speak. Um, I am gonna let her speak.
6: <laughs>
7: but they um I just at at times, at times I wanna be real here. at times I miss my boys. And I, I say to her, Boy, I'd like to have the whole family here tonight. And she said, Yeah, if they were here for a couple of hours, you want them to go back home again. So, <laughs> anyway, I, <laughs> I I do miss my I do miss my boys and, and uh but but I just had to say this, that, that God is faithful. No matter what season, I think my wife's going to talk about seasons of life here for a moment, but no matter what season you're in, God is faithful.
8: We've had a lot of fun these years. We And then there's been a few times it was not very fun. Um, but we... We've learned, we've learned as the years went by that life has its seasons. Now, myself, I love the baby season, sister. I love that, sousing those fat babies up and down in their little <laughs> bathtub and getting them all dried off in their jammies and fed and tucked in bed. And, oh, you young mothers will probably maybe, maybe know that there's nothing so sweet as the sound of a child all curled up in its bed sleeping. Uh, and now at the Bible school it 's very nice when it 's you know when when I know that my girls are all in and the sleeping and Dad goes over across the yard and checks on the boys and yeah um, but we we this we are in a season and and life it rolls through the seasons, and we can 't make the mistake as one season winds down and we turn into another season we can 't make that mistake of so much missing the season that wound down, that we forget to enjoy the season that we're in now. Like, I really enjoy the season I'm in now. Like, all my children now, they can take care of themselves, and they can help me. And do you know at the Bible school, brother, that most of the boys, they, uh, they're very careful. They don't be standing around much when I'm around, because I say to them, you be standing around here looking handsome, and I'll find a job for you. And I do. And, but they And they are really good to help me. Uh, But something, I guess we had other little things that we could say, but something that I would like to say, and this is going to take about a minute and a half for me to run down through. I'm keeping an eye on the clock, because I know my has got the kitchen all under control down at the school. (laughs) Um, About 20 years ago, I discovered a book called The Power of a Praying Wife. And the lady who wrote it, she's not a UPCI author, but she had a lot of good thoughts. And I took this, this was... um, Each day of the month, you prayed over a certain aspect of your husband's life, but this one seemed to be the one that um, really seemed to stand out to me, and it was praying for my husband's mind, but I put it in together. This is what I prayed. Is this all right? Okay. I said, Lord, I pray your protection on my husband's mind and on my mind. Shield us together from the lies of the enemy. Help us to clearly discern between your voice and every other voice and to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. May we thirst for your word and hunger for your truth so we recognize wrong thinking. Jesus, give us strength to resist lying thoughts and remind us that we have the mind of Christ. Where the enemy's lies have already invaded our thoughts, I push them back by inviting the power of the Holy Spirit to cleanse our minds. Lord Jesus, you have given me authority over all the power of the enemy. Luke 10 and 19 is your proof for that. By that authority given to me in Jesus Christ, I command all lying spirits, away from my husband's mind and away from my mind. Do you know, folks, that battlegrounds are fought and and lost in a circle about this big? Yeah, Yeah. it's so, so important. By that authority given to me in Jesus Christ, I command all lying spirits away from my husband's mind and my mind. And I proclaim that God has given Jonathan Brent McNair a sound mind and Denise Mary McNair a sound mind. That we will not entertain confusion, but we will live in clarity. And we will not be tormented with impure, evil, negative, or sinful thoughts. But we will be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Enable us to be strong in the Lord and in the power of your might. Help us, Lord Jesus, to be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let our requests be made known to you. And may your peace, which surpasses all understanding, guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And finally, whatsoever things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of a good report... Having virtue or anything praiseworthy, let us think on these things. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Ephesians 4 and 23 says to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. First uh, Peter 4 and 1 says arm yourself likewise with the same mind. We can do this. Arm ourselves likewise with the same mind. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 2 and 2. That we be not soon shaken in mind or troubled. James 1 and 5. The Lord said if we needed wisdom, we can ask for it. He's going to give us liberally. And, um, oh, this is an old paper with all kinds of scribbles in there. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. And this last verse I want to say, uh, Proverbs 16 and 3. We commit our works to you today that our thoughts shall be established. So I think, I think if we keep our minds on the right track, the whole rest of us is going to follow along. Absolutely. Yes. And I love this season of life as well. I, I enjoy it greatly.
3: Thank you so much. Brother and Sister McNair, could you give them a hand? <clears throat> and I am going to move very quickly. For time's sake, I want to give my husband time to wrap this up, but I just had a few quick comments that I wanted to give you from my heart as a wife, as a mom, but as someone who was single at one time. Um, my, my three big pieces of advice would be get on your knees and stay on your knees. She already said it. It's, it's been a thread this morning. If you are a person of prayer, there is not a situation you will face that you cannot overcome, period. If you are a person of prayer and you stay connected to your life sto- source, you will make it through. Whatever you're going through, even COVID-19. We got this. Number two, guard your home. If you're a single person, if you're a married person, if you have children, if you're an empty nester, guard your home. The world is toxic. In the last five years, it has become so much more. It's like there's an accelerator, and we're just speeding into an oblivion. When our son was in high school, it was notably different from when our daughter was in high school. He had teachers who openly ridiculed him for his faith. That should not be happening. It happens. So when your children go out into the world, you need to pray covering over them. You need to stand watch at the door of your home and guard your home, whether you're alone in it or whether you have children, just you and your husband, guard it. It should be a sanctuary where Jesus is Lord, where his spirit dwells, and where he doesn't feel like he's not welcome. Your home should be a haven. It should be a sanctuary and a place of refuge where the world can't come in, where you say it is your God-given responsibility to say, oh, no, not in my home. That's not coming in here. Stand guard over your home. Plead the blood over your home and keep the world out. And number three, keep the spiritual order of your home. Pastor Mike and Kathy referred to it. God first, your spouse second, your children third, And there are times when that gets jumbled up, when they're babies, of course, they need you. But homes where that order is out of order, I've seen homes where kids come even before God, and that brings chaos into the home, complete chaos. Homes cannot survive that kind of order. It must be God, then your spouse, then your children. That's very important. And moving quickly into my last comment, Sister McNair stole my my little tiny wrap-up here Briefly, but the seasons of life. You know one of the greatest weapons the enemy uses against the child of God is to make you discontent. He'll make you look at other families and other homes and, and, and say, oh, if, if my home looked like that, if I had a husband like that, you know, I'm a single mom, or maybe I'm not even married yet. Um, you know, if I only had that ideal, that those parents, if I had those parents... I'd be, I'd be on my way to success. The enemy constantly make us want, makes us want to look, and they mentioned it earlier, comparison is the thief of joy. So we need to learn to find contentment in whatever season we are in. When we're single, we're looking for the one, we're waiting for that feeling that, you know, the Lord's gonna write it in the sky. John Edward Lehman. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. But I'm telling you, if you walk with God singles, he will order your steps. If you are a person of prayer, he will lead you to the right person for you. That will happen, and you'll have that hallmarky feeling. <laughs> That's a new word. <laughs> you'll just be floating. <laughs> and then you get married, and then you're like, if only we could have kids. And I've seen young married couples actually they don't live in the moment because they're so, and it's a God-given desire, I'm not belittling it. It's a natural thing to want children. But if, we, if that's all we think about, we can't find contentment in our season as young marrieds. Uh, and then we have children and we're thinking, if I could ever sleep through the night again, if I could ever get my brain back. Uh, let me tell you, mom brain's a real thing. My youngest is 20 almost. I still don't have all my marbles back. They went away when I had babies. <laughs> But but we, we wish every phase by, and then they become teenagers, and we think, if I can get through the teen years without killing them, God help me, it'll be a miracle. Then they leave home, and we're halfway there. We have one gone and one about to go, probably sometime in the next 10 years. Oh, I don't want him to leave, P.S. <laughs> not too early. But we just, we're always looking to the next phase and then they leave and we're thinking, oh, if only I could tuck them in again at night and know where they are, that they're safe and that they're in my arms. and, And you know, the enemy's goal is to just constantly make us wish our life away. We're either looking back or we're looking forward and we're not enjoying the moment we are in. And so I just really felt this morning, in closing, I'm gonna mention Philippians chapter four, if they can put that up there. One morning when I was praying and I was really dealing with discontentment, not about my family, not about my family season, but personally, God quickened this scripture to me. Paul said, not as though I speak in respect of want; for I have learned in whatsoever state I'm in therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need." And then the next verse says, I can do all things through Christ, which we love to quote that verse. But you know the secret to being able to do all things and endure your season that you're in is to learn contentment. And so whatever season you're in, I beg of you, thrive. Be your best for God. Ask God to help you every day, sometimes every hour. God, help me to appreciate the beauty of this season because there is something you can can do for God in your season that somebody in another season can't do. God has put you in the season you're in for a reason. So whether you're single and you have maybe more time than someone with young children, whether you're an empty nester, I just want to encourage you, plug in, learn contentment, find the beauty and the joy, and give everything you can to God in your season and to your church. Amen.
0: <laughs> Why don't we stand? You can, I'll ask my wife to go back to the music. Uh, thank you so much for your patience this morning. I, uh, it, it, it's very moving being up here and discussing some of these conversations with these folks. And I've literally uh, blinked back tears, swallowed as I, as I watched Ryan swallow lumps to discuss some of the challenges and then as we walk through different seasons of life with all of you. Uh, it's been an emotional morning, hasn't it? Because we're emotional people. There's nothing wrong with that. We have those feelings. But the bedrock, I think, that we felt through this entire conversation this morning one prayer. Two, the Word, we keep turning to the Word because it gives us the answers for the questions we don't have answers for. Three, I felt like without a doubt that we need each other in our relationships, whether that's your children, your family, your friends, but we need, and finally, the thing that, the other point that came through loud and clear was that we need the church and uh, I've mentioned already that one of the greatest struggles and challenges that we faced through COVID was because we were all disconnected. Now we had CCC members page fire up. I got on Facebook for the first time in 25 years or however long it's been since Facebook's been around simply for the purpose of connecting with our church family because of the huge disconnect we have because often... Without us even realizing the reason why God said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together is because he knows a whole lot about us that we don't even know about ourselves. And somehow when all of us coming together in the family of God meets the needs that we have in our family. And without you even realizing it, your testimony, your life, your worship, your praise, your persistent walk with God speaks into lives the Bible says we're overcomers by the blood of the Lamb. we're all here because of the blood but not just that by the word of our testimony and what we've heard this morning is testimonies about the fact that God can meet us right where we are whether we feel alone God says you're not alone every Sunday we're reminded I'm not alone the enemy will whisper in your but you are alone someone does so and so doesn't care but, but, but no no that's not true In the middle of all this we get to be a part of the family of god and god meets every lack god meets every need god opens that door for us there's a reason why god calls us out and we come in to become the body and the bride of christ i'm so glad you're here with us this morning if you are with your family we have one minute we're going to close would you grab the hand of your family member if you're not with family you can't because of social distancing required If you're with your children i would just like this for us to bind together as a family unit and we're just going to pray that god would allow everything that we've talked about this morning if it meets you where you are and I, we couldn't just possibly discuss everything so we're going to pray that god would meet whatever need we didn't help you with today but would you just pray together with me as we get prepared to close and and go to the remainder of our day would you ask the lord to be with us together jesus i thank you for the candid conversations that people have been willing to share with our church family this morning and god some of those struggles those pains those challenges those real issues that we face the fear the god the struggle that we uh, that we are with indefinitely with this world culture with this world's ideas and ideals god i ask that the words that we've received this morning some of them are to help us understand why we've walked through what we've walked through some of them are are to help us go forward from this moment with a changed mentality and a changed mindset and things that we're going to do different god some of it has just allowed us to understand that this season is normal that we're not god that we're not alone that we're not the only one that's ever faced that feeling or god we're not the only one that's ever faced that struggle but but god we're with a group of people that have faced that and overcome that god i pray for those that are lonely today i pray for those that are struggling today god i ask that you would be with them i pray that you would comfort them but god those tenacious words that we heard from sister darlene that we've got to make our mind up that that's not where we're going to stay. God, I pray that someone will make their mind up that they're not going to stay in a pity party today, but they're going to come out of that pit. God, they're going to come out with purpose. They're going to come out on fire. They're going to come out intentionally. God, I pray a covering over our homes. I pray a covering over our marriages. I pray a covering over our children. Lord, if you would allow the plague to come on Egypt, but it wouldn't touch Israel, you can do the same for our church. You can do the same for our families, God. I pray that in the middle, Of this season of darkness in the evening time it shall be light God when it's darkness descending everywhere else on everyone else you can allow your church to be in the midst of a light-filled purposed walk God I ask for that to be released on our church family I pray that that revelation when we move through this room God I pray overcoming attitudes and spirits would come into minds I ask God that you would allow us God, by the power of your word and God, by the power of your testimony, God, by the power that's released in this room, I've sensed it flowing from the moment that I sat in that chair over there. God, your anointing is here in the room and you came on purpose this morning because you don't want someone to leave the same way that they came. Come on, would someone just put your hands in the air for a moment and receive whatever it is that God brought to the room for you? God, we're not going to leave the same way. We're going to leave with a different perspective. We're going to leave with a different idea. This month that we've set aside to strengthen our homes and to strengthen our families. It's not just to hang on to the bitter end, but it's so that we can proceed with a purposed heart. God, with made-up minds, with vigilance. The, he- the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but this is what we know. The violent take it by force. God, we're marching and we're moving into your plan. We're marching and we're moving into the future. We're marching and we're moving into revival oh clap hands to the Lord not just because we got to end every service on a high but because we know that there's a greater one working for us there's a greater one that's in us hallelujah hallelujah would you just clap hands to the Lord
6: one more time